In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And similarly, if our hope in Christ is only hope in a Christ who is somewhere up there in heaven, we are also to be pitied. Or if our hope in Christ is a hope in a Christ who comes, but only at the end of the world, then we are again to be pitied. For then we, like most of the American church, would have lost touch with the Lord who dwells in our midst. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. Not merely spiritually, but bodily. The only true Jesus is the incarnate Jesus, risen, resurrected from the grave. Wherever his word is rightly preached, it is the living voice of the living Christ in our midst. And wherever his sacraments are rightly administered and given, it is the Lord Jesus himself who heals our souls. He is present invisibly, that's true, but also truly and bodily. No less bodily present than when he preached his sermon on the plain. When I mentioned the sermon on the plain to the little children, they wondered where he was flying to. But of course, the plain can also be the level place, as the ESV puts it. There at the level place, the plain, he was preaching to the people and healing them. And apparently it was not just the woman who had the issue of blood who sought to touch him. For we learn here that power came out from him as they touched him, and that power healed them all. He had come not to be served by the crowd, but to serve them in both word and deed. And the very same is true for us, not just spiritually, not just metaphorically, but Jesus is bodily in our midst this very day, not to be served by us, but to serve us in word and deed. And when, for example, we reach out and touch him in Holy Communion, power comes out from him. The healing we receive isn't usually the lesser kind, but rather the most important kind. It is not the temporary superficial healing of our bodies that remain under the curse and subject to death. It is the healing that comes through the forgiveness of sins. Where there is forgiveness of sins, the Catechism correctly teaches, there is life and salvation. The power that comes out from Christ in word and sacrament is the power of forgiveness, life, and salvation. It is the power that bestows Good Friday and Easter Sunday on each one of us. Christ joins himself to us in his all-atoning, all-sufficient death on the cross. And likewise, Christ joins himself to us in his perfect obedience and perfect life and in his victory over sin, death, and the devil. He is risen, and we shall rise. That is the power that comes out from him this day. A power that also enlightens the mind, 
cleanses the heart, renews in us a right spirit, and causes light to spring up in the darkness and hope amidst the hopelessness. If there is a key to understanding the Sermon on the Plain, it is to understand that Jesus preaches to the same crowd that he has just healed. He's entirely gracious and merciful and loving toward them, just as he is toward us. And when he speaks, we can know that it is for our sake that he turns everything upside down. Blessed are you who are poor, he says, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets." Of course, this teaching of Jesus couldn't be further from the sentiment of the world, could it? How do you think it is for the average Orange Countian? How is it for you in your heart, if you're being honest with yourself? What do we think? We think it all the time, whether we like it or not. Blessed are the rich, obviously. Blessed are the full, obviously. Blessed are the happy and the laughing, obviously. Blessed are you when everyone speaks well of you, obviously. Blessed are the blessed, obviously. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> to which Jesus says, not so fast. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Jesus turns everything upside down, or rather, right side up. For it is we who have turned the world upside down with our sin. Indeed, it became upside down as soon as man attempted to be God. In order to turn everything right side up once more, God became man. He who was rich became poor, so that we who are poor might become rich in him. And he who was righteous became sin, so that we who are sinners might be declared righteous in him. He who was innocent was declared guilty so that we who are truly guilty would be declared innocent by God. And he who is life tasted of death, so that we who are dead in our trespasses and sins might be made alive together with him. Our Lord Jesus came as one who is poor and hungry, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, a man who was hated and excluded, and reviled, they spat in his face and spurned his name as evil. They condemned him, beat him, and scourged him. 
They crowned him with thorns and crucified him, nailing him to a tree. So they treated God, through whom all things were made, when he came in the weakness of our flesh. So that leads to an interesting question. What is the highest honor? What is the greatest purpose and goal for your life? How you answer that depends a lot on who your God is. Is the highest honor and your greatest purpose and goal in life to be conformed into the image of Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett? You'll know who your God is. Or is it to be conformed into the image of LeBron James or Tom Brady? And two, you'll know who your God is. Is it to be conformed into the image of Stephen Hawking or Albert Einstein? Then you'll know your God. Or, more likely, do you simply wish to be conformed into a more interesting version of yourself? Christian parents hope just as much for their children. And all that does is shows us how blind and hardened our hearts really are from the greatest to the least. Because we do not understand the greatest honor or purpose and calling. The greatest honor in all of life, the greatest honor in the entirety of the cosmos is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Christ and him crucified. The highest of all honors and the most blessed of all estates is to be conformed into the image of God. There's a profound irony here and also a glimpse into the tender-heartedness of God. After all, what did Adam and Eve want more than anything? And what do we fallen human beings want more than anything? The serpent tells Eve that in eating, she will become like God. And that's it. That's the very essence of our rebellion. And yet, God is such that he gives us exactly what we want, just not in the way we're expecting. To be as God, to be like God, is not merely to sit on a gold throne and have power and riches. To be like God, to be as God, is to be one who loves, because God is love. To become like God, then, is to become like a father who loves beyond comprehension, who gives his own beloved son, and in so doing, gives and sacrifices something infinitely more precious to him than his own life. And he does all of this for us while we were still his enemies. To become like God is to become like the son and brother who loves beyond comprehension, who humbles himself in order to become as we are and takes upon himself our sins from our idolatries to our adulteries and who submits himself to the most shameful and humiliating death for us while we were still his enemies. Ironically, God is so gracious and selfless, so loving and so willing, he gives Adam and Eve and each one of us our heart's desire, evil as it was, to become as he is, to be like God. And the way we become like God is to be conformed into his image, 
to become like him in the way of Good Friday and Easter. Good Friday now, but Easter to come. It is to eat from the tree of the cross, to be poor, to be hungry, to be sorrowful, and to be hated now, to pour our lives out for the sake of others in vocation, to be exhausted and tired, and daily offer ourselves in living sacrifice. And if that describes you, you're doing it right. We are to eat of the cross and partake of Good Friday, to be poor and hungry and sorrowful and hated now, and precisely so, in these very things, to be blessed. For even now, the kingdom of God is ours. And Easter is coming. On that day, we will be satisfied, our Lord Jesus promises. We will laugh and rejoice and leap for joy to receive the reward that is in heaven. In short, these present sufferings aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed. Luther somewhere says it like this. When we get up to heaven, the first thing we'll notice is how great it is. The next realization will be, why on earth wasn't I willing to suffer more? Why on earth wasn't I willing to sacrifice more, to do more? Why wasn't I more willing to speak boldly with his word, no matter the consequence, knowing that this is our reward? That gets it exactly right. We pray our Father who art in heaven in order to keep heaven in sight so that through your poverty and lack, whatever forms they take, through your hunger and longing, through your weeping and mourning, through the hatred of those who hate you because they hate the one true Christ, you are being conformed into the very image of Christ, into the very image of God. Blessed are you. There is no greater glory. There is no higher calling. There is no better way to spend this Good Friday life. Blessed indeed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you on account of Christ. There is no higher honor. All who share with Christ in his Good Friday will share with him in his Easter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.